I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. It's the very first book in the New Testament. The first chapter, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And this morning we're going to consider Jesus first. That's the way that it should be. And then we're also going to look at the lives of Joseph and Mary. So those three individuals. And this is all about faith. It's about the faith that you should have in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. But it's also about the faith that we need to live out our lives. Because if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know the truth that the just shall live by faith. That faith isn't just where we begin, but faith is how we're to live our lives. It's how we're to grow in the Lord and grow nearer to him. Let's consider Christ first, our Savior and our Lord. In verse 21, it says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. It is Jesus. He's the one that we celebrate. He's the one that we worship. He's the one that we serve. He is God the Son, the Savior born to us. The name Jesus means the Lord is salvation. It's a derivative of the Hebrew name Joshua. So I want you to see in what the angel said in verse 21, that he's speaking of Jesus' name, which means Savior. But he's also stating Jesus' mission, not just the meaning of his name, but the purpose of him coming is to save, proclaimed purpose. Save from what? So important in verse 21. Save from sin. Save from our sins. It's a lot easier to say, Jesus keeps me from being lonely, or Jesus makes it so I'm not empty, or even Jesus gives me hope or purpose. But it must start with him saving us from our sins. Yes? Once we're forgiven, that's when he fulfills us. That's when he gives us hope. That's when he gives us purpose. So let's not think that we can skip the step of salvation. You might often hear the so-called gospel preached today, and there's a lot about hope, which there should be, and there's a lot about purpose, which there should be. But it's like we want to skip over the truth that God saved us from our sins. We were stuck in our depravity, and Jesus came and did the work that no one else can do. He rescued us from our sins. So when we say that we're saved, we mean we're saved from our sins and given forgiveness. That we're saved from who we were, our old life, ourself, really, and given new life in Christ. So saved from what? Our sins. Our sins condemn us. I say our because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I say our sins because there is none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. Our so-called righteousness is dirty rags. So it's our sin, and our sin condemns us. The wages of sin is death. That means eternal death. We deserve hell because we have sinned against the holy God of the universe. John 3.16 calls it perishing. That is our condition without a Savior. Let's not start to think, let's not start to believe this idea that says only a certain category of sins have consequences. 
We might think, oh, we're okay because we're comparing ourselves to the next person. But Jesus didn't come for nothing. He came because we need a Savior from our sins. And the price for our sins is a very great price. Apart from Christ, we're condemned in our sins. Now, you might think this is all bad news, but it started with the Savior, didn't it? It's not bad news. It's good news because Jesus came to save us from our sins. We speak of sin, but it's always attached to the answer, and the answer is Jesus. The answer is Christ himself. The verses that we read spoke of Emmanuel and even gave us the translation, the meaning of that, God with us. So this is how much God loves you. This is how much God loved the whole world. He didn't love us, and he doesn't love us from a distance. He doesn't love us from afar off. Isn't it true that when you you love somebody, you're right there with them, physically, emotionally, relationally? That's one of the weird things about the internet. We think we're loving people, and I'm not saying we can't love them at all, but to really be there in the fullest love you can be, you're, you're with them. You're by their side. You're near to them. Emmanuel, that is Jesus, God with us. God loves us so that he came and became a baby, became a man. He came and took on flesh. This is the incarnation of Christ. Incarnate, adjective, incarnate verb. If English isn't confusing enough, I had to look that one up. So God, come in the flesh. Jesus, the King of heaven to know our struggles, to know our pain, to know our trials, to know our weakness, and to even know our temptation. That is the love of God towards you, that he came and put himself in our place. He lived in our shoes. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. God coming and knowing our pain, our sin, even our temptation, and then forgiving us, giving his life so that we could be free from the bondage that we have put ourselves in. Instead of being accusatory towards God, because he speaks the truth to you about eternity, be in awe that he stepped out of heaven. Instead of being accusatory, be in awe that he suffered for your sins, that he took your place, that he shouldered your sin. Because Jesus gave his life for you, you can be forgiven and free and have a clean slate. And the clean slate, the new life, is indeed wonderful. But do you know what else? And we'll see this in the life of Joseph and Mary today. If you'll believe in him, he'll give you a clean slate, but he'll also give you the strength to live out that faith, to take the next step to be eternally cleansed. Let me read, you, read to you from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, about the inheritance that we have because we're saved. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Do you want that reservation of heaven? Do you have that reservation of heaven? It can be yours. Because look at verse 21 in Matthew. To save his people from their sins. How do you know if you're one of his people? How do you know if you belong to him? How do you know that you're a person who follows after him? Well, the verse tells us, has he saved you from your sins? Has he forgiven you? Have you responded to his great love? Or have you just 
heard about his great love? Have you received it? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? If you haven't confessed, then you haven't accepted his great salvation. Giving him your life isn't complicated. It's difficult for us because we don't want to surrender. But if we don't give him our lives, then we can't be saved. Have childlike faith, believe in Jesus, and never look back. We celebrate Christ today because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to be forgiven of your sins and be right with God. Faith is not something to postpone. How beautiful is the gospel that you and I don't have to claw and kick and work our way into God's favor. That's not what the word of God declares to us. Instead, it says, receive, believe, come and take what Jesus offered to you. He's reaching out with his nail-scarred hands and saying, would you come and receive life? Would you come and receive forgiveness? Salvation by faith. Today, if it is not yours, make today be the day of salvation. Salvation by faith, but also sanctification by faith. We must start by believing, but the Lord makes us more obedient, more dedicated. He changes us as we put our faith in him. You need faith to start. And the word of God even says this, that you don't need much faith, just the faith of a mustard seed. You must believe in him as Lord. You must believe that he has risen from the grave. But your journey of faith has really just begun if you will put your faith in him. And this is the journey that we'll see in the life of Mary and Joseph, isn't it? May we learn to have the same kind of faith that they did. They're mere humans, sinners like you and me. But let's look at how they acted in faith when it came to the birth of Christ, the birth of their Lord, their examples of surrendered lives. So go back to verse 18, if you would now. We'll back up a little bit from 21 and begin reading there. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. So I look at this verse, and it's written as factual, as historical, the presentation and the style of verse 18 is, is one of history. It's one of an account. Critics have claimed that it's, it's legend or, folk, or like folklore. But who has been martyred for, for the stories about Zeus or Venus? Who has died at the point of a sword like Matthew did you know, for Beowulf or Gilgamesh? That's not what this is. This is an account is what happened when Jesus was born. This is the piece of history that God gives us. It's a historical passage in its presentation. It's also historical because of the personal sacrifice of Matthew and, and many of the other disciples, the other apostles. Middle of 18, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, Mary and Joseph were betrothed. That held a lot more meaning than today's engagement. In order for a betrothal to end, there had to be a divorce. So they were already completely committed to each other, although not 
technically completely married, you might put it that way. It's not like engagements today where people just break up and give the ring back, right? It was, it was permanent in this, it, there had to be a divorce for it to end, heaven forbid. And during betrothal, even though they were completely promised, it wasn't this thing of, it's a matter of, it was a matter of time before they were married. It wasn't seen as a trial run or I'm thinking about this. You get that today when people are engaged, like, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm not saying they shouldn't think, but this betrothal indeed was a great commitment. So it was during the betrothal that Mary was found with child. Now, what terrible news this would have been for Joseph, that it was for Joseph. Just the initial shock would have been staggering. Joseph knew the baby wasn't his, and the word of God says here that she was found with child, and, and certainly he was like, I wonder how that happened. It's not, there's no mystery, right? But even think of this. Mary was a woman of excellent character, so this isn't adding up for him. Some people, they're engaged to somebody, they're like, oh, it's not really surprising to me. This is not Elvira, it's the Virgin Mary, right? She's, he knows her to be a woman of excellent character. And so he's astounded, certainly terribly sad. The amount of anger, potential anger anyways, is, is huge. Some consider it unspeakable to put themselves in Joseph's shoes. I don't. Guys, think about it. You find out that your fiance is pregnant. You know it wasn't you. In addition to this, she's you've known her to be a woman of great reputation, and you're baffled. You'd feel foolish, frustrated all at once. But look, Joseph came up with a plan in his mind. Isn't that what it says at the beginning of verse 20? He thought about these things. So he comes up with a plan, and this is what the Bible is telling us about Joseph's line of reasoning. And it tells us a lot about his character. What does it say? It said that he minded to put her away secretly. Well, that sounds kind of cruel, He's just going to put her away secretly and he'll never see her again. She's going to disappear. Is that what it means? No, instead of bringing her to court or before the law for, for fornication, he's going to file for a no-fault divorce. And he could do this according to law of Moses. Say, I'm dissolving this betrothal. We're getting divorced, but I'm not going to give an explanation. Do you see how that would protect Mary? He would say, I, I'm not going to, prosecute, so to speak, for your unfaithfulness. But also, think about this. Joseph would have appeared, no doubt, to many people as being cruel, wouldn't he? Look at this guy. He's betrothed to this woman. Certainly, if it was somebody else's baby, he would have prosecuted. But he's betrothed to this woman, and he almost certainly got her pregnant, and now he's dissolving the betrothal? It would make him look like a real jerk. And that's why I often wonder, the Bible says he was a just man. He did things according to the law, but it was actually extremely merciful, wasn't it? It was actually extremely compassionate, at least his idea of what he was going to do. He wouldn't be praised for his kindness among the people to marry, but almost that he would be seen as possibly behaving immorally twice being the father of the child, and then saying, no, I, I changed my mind. But the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and gave him an explanation about the precious child that Mary was, was carrying. And even though from his perspective he had been wronged, he looked for a way to protect. He looked for a way to, to save. It says in Matthew, 
120, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now verse 24, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So by faith, Joseph shifted his whole plan, didn't he? He went from what he thought was the right thing to do, what he thought was the most merciful and the most compassionate thing to do, but because he heard from God, he decided to put his faith in the virgin birth. Now you might say, well, that's, that would be an easy thing to do. Think about it. It's never happened before. There's never been a virgin who's been pregnant before, and it'll never happen again. And it just happens to be the woman that I'm engaged to. <laughs> he, by faith, believes what the angel told him and acts accordingly. So do you see your initial faith in the Lord? And maybe you need to come back to faith in God because you realize, I haven't been giving him my sins. I've been living in my sins. That initial faith, the faith of salvation. But then there's also walking by faith, living by faith. And do you see in the word that Joseph was indeed living by faith? What an act of faith it was to take Mary to him as his wife. There is not much said about Joseph in the scriptures, but what is said shows us that it was no accident that he was Jesus' earthly father. A man of confidence in the Lord, shifting his whole plan, doing something that put him at risk, that would completely go against everything reasonable. Now today, the commands of the Lord are for the most part very reasonable to us, are they not? So oftentimes I hear people say, well, if God would come and appear to me like this, then I would have faith. And I've seen in the word of God that many times when he asks us to do something that's really outside the box, he does something supernatural like this. I serve a God that still does those kind of things. But sometimes we bring basic obedience to the Lord and we say like, oh God, just kind of send me a vision that I'm supposed to be faithful to my wife. You don't need a vision for that, buddy. You just need to do it, right? Oh Lord, show me, show me how I should be raising my children. I, I, need, I need something supernatural. Children obey their parents in the Lord for this is right. You already know what to do. I already know what to do the vast majority of the time. But I see in here in the word of God that faith is one of those things. God meets us. God shows us. God leads us. Does he not? He did that in the life of Joseph and how commendable it is. Lord, give me that kind of faith to take the step that almost everybody around me is going to think is crazy. To take that step that the world is saying I shouldn't take. To have confidence in you and not in myself and not in the flow of this world and put my faith in you Today, we need faith in the Lord for all kinds of things. First of all, for salvation. But man, do we need to trust him for our, our marriages and our kids? That's hard to do. For our health, for our finances, for our futures, like everything. Faith in Jesus, Lord. I don't know the next step, but I know you. And I choose to have faith in what you've spoken to me. Now, how about Mary? We've looked at Jesus, the Savior. We've looked at Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, walking in faith towards God. Now let's consider Mary. How about Mary? Was she shocked? 
Well, no, because the angel of the Lord appeared to her before and told her that she would bear a child. So before she was actually pregnant with Jesus, the angel gave her a heads up. It wasn't, with Joseph, it appears that she was, wasn't until she was showing. You hate to say that about Mary because it seems sacrilegious, but she was found with child, right? But before that, Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her what was happening. She knew about the Immaculate Conception, but she did say during that encounter with Gabriel the angel, how can this be? By the time Joseph finds out, Mary has already received the explanation. She knew, and either she didn't tell Joseph, or if she did tell Joseph, he didn't believe her. Let's go to the book of Luke to to consider the account of Mary hearing of Jesus' coming through her. Luke 1, 26. Matthew, Mark, Luke, just a couple books to your right, the very first chapter Verse 26, and let's read about 10 verses here. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So ladies, put yourself in Mary's place. And once again, some would say that that would be improper. I don't think it is. You're a young woman betrothed to a sacrificial, merciful man. You've lived to please the Lord, to be obedient to him. And you find out that you're supernaturally pregnant. Never happened before, will never happen again. Only woman it'll ever happen to, pregnant by miracle, right in the middle of your faithful engagement. The end of your relationship with Joseph, would that be weighing on your heart? No women answered. I'm trying to think like a woman. See, I guess not. Seriously, wouldn't it be weighing on your heart? You hear this and you're like, okay, uh, maybe I'm crazy. I, I knew I shouldn't have wrote this part of my sermon. You guys are all shaking, like, think of what it's like to be a woman. I just, I would think that a woman would think that. Like, look, I'm going to have a baby even though God just supernaturally put this baby in me. How about Joseph? Now, keep in mind that Gabriel did not tell her that everything with Joseph would be good. I I don't read that. He didn't say, don't worry, I'm going to explain this to Joseph also. (laughs) If I was a woman, that would have been my next question. Said, not only how can this be, but are you going to tell Joseph 
or am I going to tell Joseph? Right? But the angel doesn't say that. He's going to think I've been unfaithful to him. Talk about losing the love of your life over a misunderstanding. He would have every reason to believe that she had been unfaithful. Not to mention the potential punishments from fornication, possibly being prosecuted, being banished. Would he choose to do that? Would he? Would he certainly he's going to put me away. But even though Mary had, had concerns and even doubts, she will be bearing the Messiah. She will be carrying the Christ child. Israel waiting for thousands of years for the coming of the anointed one, for the coming of the deliverer. None of us can understand the meaning of that in the day, in the context. To say, like, the Christ, the Messiah, will be born, and I'm going to bear the Christ child? So she gets this seemingly terrible news because she doesn't know what will happen with Joseph and this beyond wonderful news. And we might say, oh, the repercussions of the pregnancy, what's greater? Well, certainly the birth of the Messiah is greater, but for her to sacrifice Mary thinking, I'm going to have to sacrifice my marriage, my reputation to be the mother of God. But she was willing. She took a step of faith. How do we know? Luke 1.38, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. You know what that, that means? She's saying, like, look, I'm your servant. Like you've told me what's going to happen, and I'm willingly going to serve. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What an act of faith. That's the faith that I need. That's the faith that you need in my life to say, God, this, I don't understand this. God did not give her a step-by-step. We look back at the account of Jesus' coming, and it just worked out so well. And, and it's like, wow, she didn't know all that. She didn't know how Joseph was going to act. She didn't know how this was going to happen. And she just said, let it be according to your word. What a step of faith. She didn't say, that service is too great. The sacrifice is too much. Let it be somebody else's job. Have you ever thought that way before? God, I see the task at hand. But somebody else, God. Maybe if I stall long enough, you'll fill that gap with somebody else who's more willing than I am. God's like saying, live for me follow me. This is what I want from you. It's like you're just hanging out and saying like, maybe I don't really have to do this. She said, no, I'm the one. Look, I'm your servant, Lord. Losing her man, losing her marriage, potentially. Reputation down the tubes, an outcast. No recourse to redeem her reputation. Now look at these people. Look at these parents involved in the coming of Christ the earthly parents of our Lord Jesus, they just showed incredible faith. They were not just normal. And you know how normal is becoming (laughs) not good anymore? Like if you're normal, it's it's, it's not good. It's like they were extraordinary in their faith. Ask you this morning, are you content to be a mediocre Christian? Are you content to... I don't want to say just be saved because being saved is the best thing in the world. But he's like, you know what, Lord? Right now, I'm just kind of waiting this thing out. I'm really, really happy that you've washed my sins away. 
But now I'm pretty much here to just hunker down and wait for you to take care of things. Or when you read of Mary and you read of Joseph, does your heart cry out to God and say, behold, I'm your servant. Lord, I'm the one for the job. Here I am. Send me. I'm ready to be used for whatever task. Now, you're not going to be called to, to be the mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus. You're not going to be called to be the father of Jesus. God's not going to do that. But do you see how the Lord used people of faith in the coming of his son? God could have provided a supernatural, angelic force field for Jesus. But instead, he gave Jesus into the care of a man of faith, who he knew would follow his word and flee to Egypt. Right? God used a man of faith. The Lord could have dropped Jesus from a stork right on Mary and Joseph's doorstep. Right? And they could have said, look, we got this baby. Nobody's asking any questions. Here, here he is. No, but he chose a woman of faith, somebody who would step out and do something amazing to show us what it means to believe in him and to follow him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is true that the Lord is pleased when we follow him, when we obey his commands. But do you see that we cannot live out those commands without faith, without you putting your confidence in the Lord? And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You and I have the choice every single day of our lives. Am I going to live by faith in me or live by faith in God? Am I going to make this decision based on what I can see and like my tactical analysis? Or am I going to trust what I know is right because God handed it to me? Am I going to wait? Or am I going to be stingy with my life and say, God, if you'd give me more details, then I would act by faith. No, the Lord calls you and me much in the same way that he called Mary and Joseph. This is what I have for you. He wants to build your faith by the task at hand. Eternal implications through your life. This verse has always stood out to me since I was really young. It's the beginning of 2 Chronicles 16.9. Listen to what it says. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Loyal heart. That's what God's looking for. Behold your servant, Lord. God is looking. He is searching throughout the whole earth. And he sees many of his children. Praise God that we're saved. But he's also looking for a willing servant, somebody who will live by faith. The faith that we see all over the word of God, that faith is alive today because Jesus is alive. It's not something of the past. It's not something that we just consider every once in a while. It's something that we choose and we live by each day. I'm surrendering by faith to you, Lord. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know what you've called me to. There's a song, and Billy Simon wrote it for him, made it popular years and years ago. My dad loved the song. Our whole family loved the song. The message of it, and we realize that the Bible does have a closing page. We realize what the Word says there in, in Revelation, that the Bible's not still being written. But listen to the idea in the lyrics of these songs, of this song. From the time time began, you always chose a man to lead the people safely by your way, to be a voice and echo what you say. 
like David or Abraham. Your word is full of such men. And if the Bible had no closing page and still was being written to this day, I want to be a man that you would write about. Oh, a thousand years from now that they could read about. Your servant of choice in whom you found favor. A man who heard your voice. A man of faith like Joseph. A woman of faith like Mary. Used mightily by God as his instrument. Christian, I ask you today, is that your desire? Is that your yearning? Are you willing to say, Lord, all I want to be is hot for you, not lukewarm, and certainly not cold. Use my life. Let me walk by faith in you. Yes, the step of salvation. Don't forget about it, unbeliever. But also, for the believer, the step of faith to live for the Lord with all that we have until the day he comes for us. Lord Jesus, I'm challenged in my life, but Lord, when you challenge us, there's comfort with it. It's not as though it's just a to-do without the grace. It's not it at all, Lord. But you stir us up, and at the same time, you give us your strength. You remind us, and at the same time, you put in us your spirit. We're not alone. Emmanuel, God with us, is, is you come to this earth. But Lord, you, you're in our hearts. You're in our lives. You've sent your spirit to dwell within us. And so we live as, as people of faith in you. We, we don't live by what we can see. We walk by faith, not by sight. Lord, and we pray that exaltation of people would have no place among us, that we wouldn't be here to lift up anybody else but you. But I do thank you for the examples around us right now in this room, but also in your word that we can look to. Jesus, you're our hope, you're our Messiah, and you're our Redeemer. In your name we pray, amen.